0: This is the Fuente Podcast. Alright, today we're going to talk about the Christchurch Massacre, but before we do, I want to talk a little bit about homosexuality in the Islamic world because I forgot to discuss it last time and it had already gotten so long. Um, This is from Wikipedia, so... Feel free to challenge it, but it does give citations. In recent times, extreme prejudice against homosexuals persists both socially and legally in much of the Islamic world, exacerbated by increasingly conservative attitudes and the rise of Islamic movements. In Afghanistan, Brunei, Iran, Mauritania, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, parts of Somalia, Sudan, UAE, and Yemen, homosexual activity carries the death penalty or prison sentences. In other countries, such as Algeria, Bangladesh, Chad, Malaysia, Maldives, Pakistan, Qatar, Somalia, and Syria, it is illegal and penalties may be imposed. Same-sex sexual intercourse is legal in Albania, Azerbaijan, Bahrain, Bosnia, and and Herzegovina, Burkina Faso, Djibouti, uh, Guinea-Bissau, Iraq, Jordan, Kazakhstan, Kosovo, Uh, Kyrgyzstan, Lebanon, Mali, Niger, Tajikistan, Turkey, most of Indonesia, the West Bank, and Northern Cyprus. Homosexual relations between females are legal in Kuwait, Turkmenistan, and Uzbekistan, but homosexual acts between males are illegal. This article also states that the Islamic attitude toward homosexuality has changed throughout the years and also that there are Hadith that condemn it with the punishment of death and also Um, cross-dressing receiving the punishment of death okay so you know uh, complex mixed history but a lot of negative there now I want to talk about the Christchurch Massacre Christchurch Massacre was where uh, a guy named Brenton Tarrant went into a mosque in New Zealand and shot up a bunch of uh, Muslims Um, I think yeah 49 people were killed and 20 were injured Okay, Um, very, very bad. Um, There's a tweet here from Trump. My warmest sympathy, the best wishes go out to the people of New Zealand in the horrible massacre in the mosques. 49 innocent people have so senselessly died with so many more seriously injured. Uh, Yeah, it was really, really bad. Um, Okay, let's get into his brain and why he did it. Just like I said, um, Osama bin Laden clearly wasn't just insane. If you take his premises as true, then his actions are rational. You can say the same for the Christ-choose shooter. Now when I say that, I'm not saying that I agree with either Osama bin Laden or the Christ-choose shooter. I'm just saying that when we say, oh yeah, he's an evil bad guy, that's why he did it. It doesn't make any sense. Everybody does that with Osama bin Laden too. Oh, why do you do that? Oh, because he's evil. Well, no, that doesn't, that doesn't have any explanatory power. Whenever there's an ideology like Islam that results in 270 million deaths or like communism that results in over 100 million deaths, it, it doesn't do any good to just say, oh, that's bad. Or this guy who kills you know 79 people. It, doesn't, it, it helps us not at all to say, oh, he's just a bad guy. We need to get in his brain... And figure out why he did this. Okay? He gave us a manifesto as to why he did it, just like Osama bin Laden gave us a manifesto. Because these guys aren't just crazy people out there, they're ideas. They have an idea. And if we don't address the Christchurch massacre shooters' ideas, we run the potential of redoing, reliving the issues. Okay? So he wrote a manifesto. Here's his introduction. So just like Osama bin Laden's introduction started with a bunch of quotes from the Quran, and then condemning Israel, and then as the thing we need to change, we need to become Muslim. Those were the, the biggest things. They started his the sections with that. We need to pay attention to what this guy starts his thing with. It's the birth rates. It's the birth rates. It's the birth rates. Okay, He says this three times. Okay, and this is a white. Well, I don't want to tell you his ideology. We're going to read it from a primary source and then discuss it. Everybody always wants to put these killers into boxes and tell you what they believe. You decide for yourself. I'm going to read the primary source. But I do want to know he was a white dude who shot a bunch of Muslims. Okay, and he starts his paper with it's the birth rates three times in a row. And if you'll remember from our last episode, we learned that actually, yes, it is, Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world because of the birth rates. Well, let's listen to this guy. If there is one thing I want you to remember from these writings, it's that the birth rates must change. Even if we were to deport all non-Europeans from our land tomorrow, the European people would still be spiraling into decay and eventual death. Every day we become fewer in number, we grow older, we grow weaker. In the end, we we, we must return uh, to replacement fertility rates levels or it will kill us. To maintain a population, the people must achieve a birth rate that reaches replacement fertility levels. In the Western world, this is roughly 2.06 births per woman. There is not a single Western country, not a single white nation, so he clearly has a distinction between white and whatever he's just shot up, that reaches these levels. Not in Europe, not in the Americas, not in Australia or New Zealand. White people are failing to reproduce, failing to create families, failing to have children. But despite this sub-replacement fertility rate, the population in the West is increasing and rapidly. How is this possible? Mass immigration and higher fertility rates of the immigrants themselves are causing this increase in population. So, so far, it's been a while since I read this, but so far it looks like This is just a race-based issue. It's not necessarily against Islam. I don't know if we're gonna get into Islam later on as we read, but looks like this guy just wants there to be more white people and for the white race to not die out. Already we can critique him. Okay, is it true that the white race is dying out? Yes, that's true. Is it true that that makes it okay to kill people? No, that doesn't make it okay to kill people. How can I condemn his actions? I can through objective morals. Sorry, I had a little family interruption. I don't remember exactly where I was, but... Uh, <clears throat> the, oh, the way that you can condemn his actions through objective morals. And not morals based on a society, because if, you know, if it's based on Western European society, you could say that he's defending it. It's not based on... Um, it has to be something that's the same for everyone to condemn him, is what I'm saying. And that... With a Christian objective moral, moral framework It's objectively wrong to murder Because other humans are made in the image of God Even if they don't believe the way you wish that they did And so you could say Yeah, he's right to be concerned Well, not even concerned But he's right to acknowledge that um, Other populations are growing faster than you know white Europeans But that doesn't mean you get to kill people Alright, back to what he's saying here Um, We are experiencing an invasion on a level never seen before in history. Millions of people pouring across our borders legally, invited by the state and corporate entities to replace the white people who have failed to reproduce, failed to create the cheap labor, new consumers, and tax base that the corporations and states need to, to thrive. This crisis of mass immigration and sub-replacement fertility is an assault on the European people that if not combated will ultimately result in the complete racial and cultural replacement of the European people. To see this in full effect, you only have to look at the population statistics in Western nations for the year 2100. He gives a citation. In 2100, despite the ongoing effect of sub fertility, the population figures showed that the population does not decrease In line with the sub-replacement fertility levels, but actually maintains and even in many white nations rapidly increases all through immigration. This is ethnic replacement. This is cultural replacement. This is racial replacement. This is white genocide. It's not genocide. They're not being killed. They're just living and having babies. All right. To continue, to replace, to return to replacement fertility levels is priority number one, but it is no simple task the myriad of reasons behind the decline of fertility rates, and the destruction of the traditional family unit. We must inevitably correct the disaster of hedonistic, nihilistic individualism. But it will take uh, some time we do not have due to the crisis of mass immigration. That's interesting there. So you see he must, like all of us, he must believe in some sort of objective moral framework in order to call out... um, Hedonism. Hedonism is like living for your own pleasure. And nihilism, which is li- uh, believing that everything is meaningless. Uh, and he's against individualism. Obviously, he just killed a bunch of individuals. Um, <clears throat> okay, so we're getting a little bit into his philosophy here. I'll continue. Due to mass immigration, we lack the timescale required to enact the c- civilizational paradigm shift we need to undertake to return to health and prosperity. Mass immigration will disenfranchise us, subvert our nations, destroy our communities, destroy our ethnic binds. I think he meant bonds. Destroy our cultures, destroy our people. So it's not just racial. He has like this. uh, He wants to maintain a cultural status quo. Um, This is a pipe dream. Okay, cultures throughout time are just changing all the time. They're just always going to change. You can't. You can't ever keep a culture from changing. But you know. There's a part of this that I don't want to say empathizes with him, but I empathize with watching cultures die. Um, and I empathize with uh, like Emperor Claudius when he was learning that the Etruscan language was dying out. He wept. Um, and I, I, I feel that same sort of way when I see like Irish dying out on the, um, for the Irish people where they don't speak it anymore. It makes me a little sad but i just realized that you know new cultures come in and replace the previous cultures that's just the way that humanity has always worked and that doesn't mean we can go and try to kill everyone and try to freeze it you can't you can't turn back time okay and really if he is against islam he's no better than islam which is trying to convert the entire world to you know uh, 7th century arabia he's just trying to convert the whole world i guess to like i'm guessing post enlightenment europe we'll see We'll see as we get further. Long before low fertility levels ever could, thus before we deal with the fertility rates, we must deal with both the invaders within our lands and the invaders that seek to enter our lands. We must crush immigration and deport those invaders already living on our soil. It's not just a matter of our prosperity, but the very survival of our people. Answering possible questions. In general, who are you? Just an ordinary white, white man, 28 years old. Born in Australia to a working class, low income family. My parents were Scottish, Irish and English. I had a regular childhood without any great issues. I had little interest in education during my schooling, barely achieving a passing grade. I did not attend university as I had no great interest in anything offered in the universities to study. Really? So like you're all into like white culture but you haven't even studied European literature? Anyway, I'll keep going. I worked for a short time before making some money investing in Bit- <laughs> BitConnect. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's it, it, it's a meme online. BitConnect. Look that up. If, okay. Anyway. Then I used the money from the investment to travel. More recently, I've been working part-time as a kebab removalist. I, dude, I thought kebabs were like what you ate. I'm just a regular white man from a regular family who decided to take a stand to ensure a future for my people. Why did you carry out the attack? Don't you love that these terrorists answer all these questions for us? Why don't people spend more time reading this stuff? I think people are scared that everyone's going to become a terrorist if they just understand what's going on in their heads or something. I don't know. This podcast, I'm not going to hide you from this stuff. I'm going to tell you, you know what? This is what he believed, and it's bullshit because morals are objective. Okay, and if you have a Christian worldview to support that, great. If you don't, maybe you should reconsider your worldview. Okay, so continuing on uh, to most. Uh, why'd you carry out the attack? To most of all, show the invaders our lands will never be in their Will never be their lands. Our homelands are our own. And that as long as a white man still lives, they will never conquer, never, all caps, conquer our lands and they will never replace our people. To take revenge on the invaders for the hundreds of thousands of deaths caused by foreign invaders in European lands throughout history. To take revenge for the enslavement of millions of Europeans taken from their lands by the exo- Islamic slavers. Um, this might have happened back with... Uh, Back with, like, the Mama Lukes, like, during the Crusades. But I don't know what he's talking about. Take revenge for the thousands of European lives lost to terror attacks throughout European lands. This actually reminds me a lot of the Letter to America by Osama bin Laden, just by the way. To take revenge for Ebba Ackerlund. What's Ebba Ackerlund? I'm going to Google that real quick. Ebba Ackerlund. Let's see what this is. Uh, It's a Stockholm Let's see A Stockholm truck attack It was an Islamist terrorist attack Which took place on 7th of April uh, In central Stockholm Uh, Perpetrator was Rahmat Akilov Uh, Five people were killed So I guess it's just this one particular Terrorist attack Gosh I'm glad he didn't ever find Religionofpeace.org There's about ten of these every day Okay. To directly reduce immigration rates to European lands by intimidating and physically removing the invaders themselves. To agitate the political enemies of my people into action. To cause them to overextend their own hand and experience the eventual and inevitable backlash as a result. To incite violence, retaliation, and further divide the European people and the invaders currently occupying European soil. So he's, I guess he's trying to stir everybody up and fight. Instead, a whole bunch of churches sent hundreds of flowers to these Muslims and prayed for them and loved on them. So, you know, take that, dude. To avenge those European men and women lost in the constant and never-ending wars of European history who died for their lands, died for their people, only to have their lands given away to foreign scum that uh, that bothered to show up. To agitate the political enemies of a few... I thought you to, say to show the effect of direct action Lighting a path forward for those that wish to follow, a path for those that wish to free their ancestors' lands from the invaders' grasp, and to be a beacon for those that wish to create a lasting culture, to tell them they are not alone. To create an atmosphere of fear and change in which drastic, powerful, and revolutionary action can occur. To add momentum to the pendulum swings of history, further destabilizing and polarizing Western society in order to eventually destroy the current nihilistic, hedonistic, individualistic insanity that is taking control of Western thought. To drive a wedge, that sounds a lot like um, Osama bin Laden in his letter to America wanted moral reform too, if you'll remember. It wasn't just about political entities and power structures, it was also about a moral reform. So it's interesting, this guy also has this this, uh, geopolitical agenda. But he also has a, um, a moral re- reformation away from hedonism, individualism, and nihilism, which all seem like things Osama bin Laden would have hated too. To drive a wedge between the nations of NATO that are European and the Turks that also make a part of the NATO forces, thereby turning NATO once more into a united European army and pushing the Turkey once more back to the true position of a foreign enemy force. Finally, to create... Turkey, in some ways, is great compared to other Islamic-majority countries because they have um, they have more of a secularized government. <clears throat> Finally, to create conflict between the two ideologies within the United States on the ownership of firearms in order to further the social, cultural, political, and racial divide within the United States. This conflict over the Second Amendment and the attempted removal of firearm rights will ultimately result in a civil war that will eventually... Balkanize the U.S. along political, cultural, most importantly, racial lines. This balkanization of the U.S. will not only result in racial separation of the people within the United States, ensuring the future of the white race on the North American continent, but also ensuring the death of the melting pot pipe dream. Further balkanization will also reduce the U.S.A.'s ability to project power globally and thereby ensure that never again can such a situation as the U.S. involvement in Kosovo ever occur again where U.S.-NATO forces fought beside Muslims and slaughtered Christian Europeans attempting to remove the Islamic occupiers from Europe. So now we see a reference to Islam. Um, I don't know what happened in Kosovo. let see, Kosovo. Looking at that. Well, whatever. We'll pause right there, though. So he thinks that by shooting up a bunch of people, it'll secure Second Amendment rights. Does that ever work that way? Does that ever make the Second Amendment rights more safe when a bunch of people get shot up? Also, like, America's so racially mixed at this point. Like, what do you... Okay, what if someone has an African-American spouse and they have children? You know, what side are those children going to be on? So, in all honesty, um, I think probably within a a thousand years, there aren't going to be any more races. If technology keeps where it is and, and there's all this globalization. Um, yeah, so. And I don't think shooting up people in a mosque is going to change that. What do you want? So this is talking about what he wants. We must ensure the existence of our people and a future for white children. Okay, so his, what he remember with Osama bin Laden, he wanted America to convert to Islam. And he wanted um, support for Israel to stop. This guy wants to ensure the existence of white people. Okay, was there a particular event or reason you decided to commit to a violent act? Uh, That's the question. The answer: There was a period of two years prior to the attack um, that dramatically changed my views. The period of time was from beginning of April two thousand twelve until the end of May two thousand twelve. In this period, a series of events broke down my own reserves, my reservations, my cynicism, and revealed the truth of the West's current situation. These events turned my thoughts from pursuing democratic political solution and finally caused the revelation of the truth that a violent revolutionary solution is the only possible solution to our current crisis. I was traveling as a tourist in Western Europe at the time, France, Spain, Portugal, and others. The first event that began to change was the terror attack in Stockholm on the 7th of April, 2017. It was another terror attack that, in the seemingly never-ending attacks that had been occurring on a regular basis throughout my adult life. But for some reason, this was different. The jaded cynicism uh, with which I had greeted previous attacks didn't eventuate. Something that had been a part of my life for as long as I could remember, cynicism in the face of attacks on the West by Islamic invaders, was suddenly no longer there. I could no longer bring the sneer to my face. I could no longer turn my back on the violence. Something this time was different. This is interesting. Okay, so while both he and I would condemn Islam, and its belief system is inherently immoral, my reason is because humans are made in the image of God, and all human life has inestimable value. His reason is because it puts white culture at risk. He's trying to, def- to, de- to defend a large group of art, ideas, philosophy, and racial purity. He doesn't care about individual human lives. That's why he and I would never be allies, even though we would both oppose Islam. My reasons for opposing Islam are also the reasons I could never kill a Muslim. Okay, not unless, like, they had a gun to my wife's head or something. <clears throat> um, okay, the Jade Simpson, which I agree previously said, was, uh, that was the difference between Ebba Ockerland, young, innocent, and dead, Ebba. Ebba was walking to meet her mother after school when she was murdered by an Islamic attacker, driving a stolen vehicle through the shopping promenade, on what she was walking. Ebba was partially deaf, unable to hear the attacker coming. Ebba's death at the hands of the invaders, the indignity of her violent demise, and my inability to stop it, broke through my own jaded cynicism like a sledgehammer. I could no longer ignore the attacks. They were attacks on my people, attacks on my culture, attacks on my faith, and attacks on my soul. They could not be ignored. So here we see that he... uh, it is specifically Islam on top of these other. So not only is he pro-white culture, he's also anti-Islam. The second event was the 2017 French general election. The candidates were an obvious sign of our times. A globalist, capitalist, egalitarian, an ex-investment banker with no national beliefs other than the pursuit of profit versus a milk-toast, feckless, civic nationalist, an uncontroversial figure, whose most brave inspired idea resolved to the possible deportation of illegal immigrants. Despite this ridiculous matchup, the possibility of a victory by the quasi-nationalist was at least to myself a sign that maybe a political solution was still possible. The internationalist, globalist, anti-white, ex-banker won. It wasn't even close. The truth of the political situation in Europe was suddenly impossible to accept. My despair set in my belief in a democratic solution vanished. The final push was witnessing the state of French cities and towns. For many years, I'd been hearing and reading of the invasion of France by non-whites. Many of these rumors and stories I believed to be exaggerations created to push a political narrative. But once I arrived in France, I found the stories to not only be true, but profoundly understated. In every French city, in every French town, the invaders were there— No matter where I traveled, no matter how small or rural the community I visited, the invaders were there. The French people were often in a minority themselves and the French that were in the streets were often alone, childless or of advanced age. While the immigrants were young, energized with large families and many children. I remember pulling into a shopping center car park to buy groceries in some moderate sized town in Eastern France of roughly 15 to 25,000 people. As I sat there in the parking lot in my rental car, I watched a stream of invaders walk through the shopping center's front doors. For every French man or woman there was double the number of invaders. I had seen enough and in anger drove out of the town refusing to stay any longer in the cursed place and headed for the next town, driving toward the next French town on my itinerary, knowing the, that inevitably the invaders would also be there. I just feel like a compassion here for all the Muslims in these countries. He just hates them because they exist. And most of them have no idea, like, what Islam teaches. Most Muslims have no idea. They're just like Christians. Most Christians don't know what the Bible teaches. And so he's just hating this whole group of people. He's consumed by hatred. I think if you're going to speak out against an ideology, you need to be motivated by love. And when I speak against Islam... I'm st- it's not just that they're the enemy, the ideology is the enemy, they're also a victim. And I don't care about why. I mean, I love whiteness and all that. It's great. I love being Scottish and playing the bagpipes, okay? But if that dies out, that's okay. Because human life is more important than some culture. Okay? Okay. I found my emotions swinging between fuming rage and suffocating despair at the indignity of the invasion of France. Why not make friends with these people and question them and try to change their views that way if that's really the problem? And if it's their race that's your problem, why do you have a problem with somebody about a thing they can't even even affect? They can't choose what race they are. The pessimism of the French people, the loss of culture and identity, and the farce of the political solutions offered. I came upon a cemetery, one of the many cemeteries created to bury the French and other European soldiers lost in the wars that crippled Europe. I had seen many pictures and heard many people discuss the cemeteries, but even knowing about these cemeteries in advance, I was still not prepared for the sight: Simple white wooden crosses stretching from the fields beside the roadway, seemingly without end, into the horizon their number uncountable, the representation of their loss unfathomable. I pulled my rental car over and sat, staring at all these crosses, contemplating how it was that despite these men and women's sacrifice, despite their bravery, we had still fallen so far. I broke into tears, sobbing alone in the car, staring at the crosses, at the forgotten dead. Why were we allowing these soldiers' deaths to be in vain? Why were we allowing the invaders to conquer us, overcome us, Without a single shot fired in response. This is interesting if you compare it to the earlier uh, Gaddafi quote that I quoted a couple episodes back where he says, We'll take over Europe and we don't have to fire a shot. Sounds like him and Gaddafi are on the same page. Why won't somebody do something? In front of those endless crosses, in front of the dead soldiers, lost in forgotten wars, my despair turned to shame. My shame to guilt, my guilt to anger, and my anger to rage. Why won't somebody do something? Why won't somebody do something? Why don't I do something? The spell was broke. Why don't I do something? Why not me? If not me, then who? Why them when I could do it myself? It was there I decided to do something. It was there I decided to take action to commit to force, to commit to violence, to take the fight of the, to the invaders myself. One thing to note about this guy is he's a lone actor. I think he's probably a really lonely person. Um... That's one way that differentiates him greatly from Osama bin Laden. Now, I could see other people agreeing this, reading this and agreeing with him and joining in his ideology, but he's very much acting alone, and that's a, that's a thing of comfort for me. All right, what do you represent? Let's see what he represents. Millions of European and other ethno-nationalist peoples that wish to live in peace amongst their own people, living in their own lands, practicing their own traditions, and deciding the future of their own kind. That's interesting because Europe is just an ever-changing, mixed-up pot of different cultures and ideas. Greeks and Romans, all the Balkans and Slavic people and the Celts, everything mixing up and moving around. So it's, it's so silly and hypocritical to talk about we need to maintain European separation. But you know, Europe, it's just all mixed up. World history is messy. Are you a part of any political groups or movements? I am not a direct member of any organization or group, though I have donated to many nationalist groups and have interacted with many more. Did the groups you support are they are lined with or promote your attack? No, no group ordered my attack. I make the decision myself, though I did contact the reborn Knights Templar for a blessing in support of the attack, which was given. Do these groups hold power? Who are the people in these groups? Total number in these organizations is in the millions. The total number of groups is in the thousands. People from every walk of life and every place of employment and field, but disproportionately employed in military services and law enforcement. Unsurprisingly, ethno nationalists and nationalists seek employment in areas that serve their nations and community. I would estimate the number of soldiers in European armed forces that also belong to nationalist groups to number in the hundreds of thousands with just as many employed in law enforcement positions. Did you carry out the attack for fame? No. Carrying out the attack for fame would be laughable. After all, who can remember the name of the attackers in the september eleventh in New York? How about the attack on the Pentagon? The attackers in the plane that crashed in the field the same day. I will be forgotten quickly, which I do not mind. After all, I am a private and mostly introverted person. There's your loneliness. I think a lot of times people radicalize when they're super lonely. But the aftershock from my actions will ripple for years to come, driving political and social discourse, creating the atmosphere of fear and change that is required. Why did you target those people? They were an obvious, visible, and large group of invaders from a culture with higher fertility rates, higher social trust, and strong, robust traditions that seek to occupy my people's lands and ethnically replace my own people. For how long did you plan this attack? I began planning an attack roughly two years in advance, and an attack at the location in Christchurch three months in advance. why did you choose the time of the attack? The best time to attack was yesterday. The next best time is today. The attack was planned to allow enough time to, for, uh, time to train, form a plan, settle my affairs, write down my views, then enact the attack. Why, uh, why did you choose to use firearms? I could have used any weapons or means, the TATP-filled rental van, Household flour, a method of dispersion, and an ignition source. A ball peen hammer and wooden shield. Gas fire, vehicular attacks, plant attacks. Any means were available. I had the will and I had the resources. I chose firearms for the effect it would have on social discourse, the extra media coverage they would provide, and the effect it could have on the politics of the United States. And there, I guarantee, if you had a ball peen hammer and a wooden shield, that would have gotten more coverage. Cause that'd been weird as hell. Sorry. The political situation of the world, the U.S. is torn into many factions by its Second Amendment along state, social, cultural, and most importantly, racial lines. With enough pressure, the left wing within the United States will seek to abolish the Second Amendment, and the right wing within the United States will see this as an attack on the very freedom and liberty. This attempted abolishment of rights by the left will result in a dramatic polarization of the people in the United States and eventually to a fracturing of the U.S. along cultural and racial lines. What cultural and racial lines? It's like it's all mixed up now, you know. It's not like it was during the Civil War. Why'd you choose New Zealand as a place to attack? New Zealand was not the original choice for the attack. I only arrived in New Zealand to live temporarily while I planned and trained, but I soon found out that New Zealand was a target rich of an environment as anywhere else in the West. Secondly, an attack in New Zealand would bring attention to the truth of the assault on our civilization, that nowhere in the world is safe. The invaders were in all of our lands, even the remotest areas of the world, and that there was nowhere left to go that was safe and free from mass migration. Was there any reason you attacked the mosque in particular? Originally, the mosque in Dunedin was the main target, particularly after watching the video on their Facebook page named Odogo Muslim Association. The video wore entitled Very Interesting Video, Only for Muslims. Please do not redistribute and prove their knowledge of their actions and their guilt. So that must have been some, you know, video about Islamic eschatology where they want to spread all over the world and said not to spread it to non-Muslims or something. But after visiting the mosques in Christchurch and Linwood and seeing the desecration of the church that had been converted to a mosque in Ashburton, my plans changed. The Christchurch and Linwood mosques had far more invaders and in a far more prominent, optically foreign building, with less students, more adults, and a prior history of extremism. Attacking these mosques also allowed for an extra planned attack on the mosque in Ashburton. Also, I'm unsure as As of this time of writing, whether I will reach that target. It was a bonus objective. Do you consider it a terrorist attack? By definition, then yes, it is a terrorist attack, but I believe it is a partisan action against an occupying force. Do you feel any remorse for the attack? No, I only wish I could have attacked more invaders and more traitors as well. Did you personally hate Muslims? A Muslim man or woman living in their homelands? No. A Muslim man or woman choosing to invade our lands to live on our soil and replace our people? Yes, I dislike them. The only Muslim I truly hate is the convert, those from our own people that turned their backs on their heritage, turned their backs on their cultures, turn their backs on their traditions and became blood traders to their own race. These I hate. <coughs> Did you personally hate foreigners or other cultures? No. I spent many years traveling through many, many nations. Everywhere I traveled, barring a few exceptions, I was treated wonderfully. Often as a guest, and even as a friend. Oh, it's just so sad to read. The varied cultures of the world greeted me with warmth and compassion, and I very much enjoyed every moment I spent with them. I wish the different peoples of their world uh, all the best, regardless of their ethnicity, race, culture, or faith. That they live in peace and prosperity amongst their own people, practicing their own traditions and their own nations. But if those same people seek to come to my people's lands, replace my people, subjugate my people, make war upon my people, then I shall be forced to fight them and hold nothing in reserve. Do you believe that those you attacked were innocent? No, uh, they are no innocents in an invasion. All those who colonize other people's lands share guilt. Did you commit the attack to receive media coverage and to propagate your own writings or beliefs? No, the attack was an end in itself, with all the necessary effect required. These writings and their coverage are just a bonus. Did you intend to survive the attack? Yes, but death was a definite possibility. These situations are chaotic and virtually impossible to control. No matter the planning, survival was a better alternative to death in order to further spread my ideals by media coverage and deplete resources from the state by my own imprisonment. Was the attack racist in origin? Uh, fertility rates are innately tied to race, so yes, there was a racial component to the attack. Was the attack xenophobic in origin? Fertility rates are cultural, there's no denying that, so there was a war of cultures being fought by the invaders and my attack was a response to this, though I have no great fear or distrust of other people. So this is a, interesting, we're really getting into his ideas here. Was the, was the attack Islamophobic in origin? Islamic nations in particular have high birth rates regardless of race or ethnicity and in this there was an anti-islamic movement in the attacks as well as the want for revenge against Islam for 1300 years of war and devastation that has brought upon the people of the West and other peoples of the world. So there's definitely an anti-Islamic element within his attack as well. Was the attack anti-immigration in origin? Yes, beyond all doubt anti-immigration, anti-ethnic replacement, and anti-cultural replacement. Was the attack anti-diversity in origin? No. The attack was not an attack on diversity, but an attack, on the name of di- but an attack in the name of diversity, to ensure diverse peoples remain diverse, separate, unique, and undiluted, and unrestrained in cultural or ethnic expression and autonomy. Honestly, um, this swings the other way. Western culture is like watering down all the other cultures as well. Probably the world's less diverse than it's ever been. Everybody's dressed the same now. Buildings all look the same. All the music sounds the same. Anyway, I'll keep going with what he says. To ensure that the peoples of the world remain true to their traditions and faiths and do not become watered down and corrupted by the influence of outsiders. The attack was to ensure a preservation of beauty, art, and tradition. In my mind, a rainbow is only beautiful due to its variety of colors. Mix the colors together and you destroy them all, and they are gone forever, and the end result is far from anything beautiful. So, basically, at the core of his ideology, it's the idea that different cultures, races, and ideologies all separated from each other is more important than the lives of individuals. Um, And if someone oversteps those bounds he's created for himself, they deserve to die. My question would be, where did this subjective moral framework come from that says all these things just have to be separate? Where did that come from? Is it just you prefer that subjectively, that there's all these diverse groups? You know, how is that any more valid than them preferring subjectively to have your culture convert to theirs? Why is, their, why is their view any less valuable than yours? Guy who shot a bunch of people. That's the issue there. Okay. Do you intend to kill police officers or other enforcers of the state? No, the police force in New Zealand is on overall good terms with the public and unlike in other European nations such as France, the UK, or Norway they have so far remained loyal to the people so harming the New Zealand police officers was to be avoided at all costs unless the state enforcer was from an invaders background Striking quickly and then exfiltrating from the area of attack was the plan to avoid the responders of the state to avoid a situation where I was forced to harm them In the event of engagement I had the somewhat quixotic notion of shutting down responding state enforcers, intimidating them into dropping their weapons, and if that failed, only targeting non-vital areas of their body, such as the anterior of the thigh, shoulder, or side on through shot of the calf, hamstring, or gluteal muscles, so as to cause the least amount of harm as possible and allow for quick recovery. How this worked in reality? Well, only you know. If you survived, did you intend to go to trial? Yes, and to plead not guilty. The attack was a partisan attack against an occupying force, and I am a lawful, uniformed combatant. Were there other targets planned in your attack? Many. One that can be said about the current state of the West is that we live in a target-rich environment. Traitors and enemies abound. Were you a racist? Yes, by definition, as I believe racial differences exist between peoples, and they have a great impact on the way we shape our societies. I also believe fertility rates are part of those radical differences and that the immigrants in our lands with high fertility must be forced to ensure the existence of our race. So yes, I'm racist. Are you a xenophobe? No, no culture scares me. I'm only wary of those cultures with higher fertility rates replacing others. Or are you Islamophobe? No, I'm not afraid of Islam. Only that due to its high fertility rates, it will grow to replace other peoples and faiths. So see, there... um, there's not an emphasis on being against the ideology of Islam so much as Islam is connected to these, um, these other races and cultures that have a high fertility rate that are replacing European, white, whatever it is. That's not even a category that exists, by the way. White isn't a race. But yeah, we'll just go with what he's saying. Where are you a nationalist? Yes, predominantly an ethno-nationalist. I place importance on the health and well-being of my race above all else. Were are you a Nazi? No. Actual Nazis do not exist. They haven't been a political or social force anywhere in the world for more than sixty years. Were are you an anti Semite? No. A Jew living in Israel is no enemy of mine so long as they do not seek to subvert or harm my people. Were are you a neo Nazi? That is a very broad category of people, and the definition is fuzzy at best, so no, I don't believe so. Were you are you a conservative? No, conservatism is corporatism in disguise, I want no part of it. Were you a Christian? This is complicated. When I know, I will tell you. She's probably an agnostic. Uh, Were you a fascist? Yes. For once, the person that will be called a fascist is an actual fascist. I am uh, sure the journalists will love that. I mostly agree with Sir Oswald Mosley's view and consider myself an eco-fascist by nature. The nation with the closest political and social values to my own is the People's Republic of China. Jeez! i got to do a podcast on them, man. I freaking hate, well, I'm not going to say China because I don't want to include the people. But I hate Xi Jinping. I think he's a a pig and a monster. Was there a political figure or party in history you most associate with yourself? Sir Oswald Mosley is the person from history closest to my own beliefs. Are you a homophobe? No, I simply do not care that much what gay people do. As long as they are loyal to their people and place their hope, their people's well-being first, then I have no issues. Well, that's a separation from Osama bin Laden. Were you or are you right-wing? Depending on the definition, sure. Were are you are you left-wing? Depending on the definition, sure. Are you a socialist? Depending on the definition, Worker ownership of the means of production? It depends on who those workers are, their intents, who currently owns the means of production, their intents, and who currently owns the state and its intents. Are you support of Donald Trump? As a symbol of renewed white identity and common purpose? Sure. As a policy maker and leader, dear God, no. Were <laughs> are you supporter of Brexit? Yes, though not for an official policy made. The truth is that eventually People must face the fact that it wasn't a damn thing to do with the economy. It was the British people firing back at mass immigration, cultural displacement, and globalism. And that's a great and wonderful thing. Are you a supporter of Front National? No, they're a party of milquetoast civic nationalist boomers completely incapable of creating real change with an no actual viable plan to save their nation. By living in New Zealand, weren't you an immigrant yourself? Yes, and it seems we immigrants seem to bring a whole host of issues. No, not really. An Australian living in New Zealand is much the same as an Australian living in Bavaria. They aren't going to ethnically replace the people or change the nations they culture. They are the same people. They are the same culture. That's funny because if you look at the Maori people who lived in New Zealand before, uh, before any Europeans showed up, they owned that whole territory. Huh, that's interesting. You believe in giving? Do you believe in giving America back to the Native Americans? Do you believe in that? That's why this kind of stuff's so stupid. But also, just him coming up with this objective moral value out of nowhere. Where did this thing come from, and why follow it if you could violate it and make yourself happier? Well, I just realized I've been going for forty minutes. If you want to see the rest of this guy's manifesto, you can online. I think we get the gist of it already with just all that stuff i read. Um, Alright, that's it for this episode. I'll see you guys next time.